Oh, I have a few things planned for this morning. I don't know about, are you guys having fun? Is anybody, are you guys having a good time? Are the kids having fun this month with different things? I, I hope so. It's been, uh, enjoyable for me. I think maybe the highlight was, uh, was last week when Jake almost puked up on the stage. <laughs> if you were here, weren't here last week, uh, we did a little thing with, uh, with gross jelly bellies. I don't know if you've ever had one of those, like, gross flavored jelly bellies, but I'm pretty sure that Jake ate something last week that tasted like a barf. <laughs> uh, yeah. Rotten egg. Oh, yeah. That, that was fun for me to watch. Uh, I promise... I promise nothing, nothing that gross, uh, today, uh, or I apologize for nothing gross today. I don't know. Depends on how you look at it. Uh, uh, so, uh, we're, we're continuing to talk, uh, uh, this week about how Jesus rescues. And the focus for this week is when we struggle, Jesus is there to help us through that. Uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The, the fact that we all face trouble is something that I think we all know. It's, it's a given because the world that we live in is broken and it's fallen. It's, it's bent because of, of sin and the, and the consequences of the curse. And, and because of that, there's just going to be lots of different struggles that are come, that'll come our way. But fortunately, it's like that verse says, Jesus promises that, that he's going to be there. He promises that he has overcome the world. And so no matter how bad it is in this world, Jesus has conquered sin and death and given us this, this new hope and this new promise. And what Jesus doesn't promise is to instantly solve all of our problems, right? I mean, we know that that's not the case. It's not like uh, everything is going to be uh, magically changed overnight. But he does help uh, us through those things. He does promise that he's going to be there with us as we walk through the, the struggles th- that we face in this life. Uh, okay, so everybody, when you came in, you got a... You got one of these little finger traps, right? Little finger handcuffs. Um, you've, you've played with these before, right? I'm sure everybody has interacted with them to one extent or another. And, uh, and, you, and you know how they work. And, and you know that when you stick your fingers in and then try and pull them apart, they're, they're going to get stuck, right? You, you know that. You know because you've played with them before. But my guess is, is when you were playing with them this morning, there was that moment where you're like trying it out. And you're like, yeah. And then you try, oh no, I'm stuck, right? There was a little bit of panic. You can be honest. Like, you're like freaked out for just a second. Uh, cause you didn't, you weren't sure what to do. And maybe some of you like just, just like halt your way through and, and broke it, right? Is there any? Pieces of, <laughs> right. And then you, and then, and then like your brain kicks in and you realize, okay, I remember how this works. All I have to do is like push my fingers together and it loosens up and then I can hold it and, and get free, right? Did everybody discover that? Or some of you still stuck in there and you have your hands. <laughs> I'm, I got it, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll come around with the scissors later and get you free. Uh, I think it's the same, the same way whenever we face any kind of struggle in our lives. And usually the struggles are a lot more complicated than a, uh, a finger handcuffs. Uh, but, but a lot of times we respond in the same way. We know, we know when we face a struggle how we're supposed to get out of it. We know what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to respond. But instead of responding with, 
with prayer or with trust or in a calm way, uh, we freak out a little bit, right? Like, oh no, I'm stuck. What do I do? And, and we panic and hopefully that doesn't last very long. And, and we can, we can take a minute to think and to realize, okay, I know how to get out of this. I know what I'm supposed to do here when I'm in this situation. I just have to, got to draw closer to Jesus. I got to get, I got to spend some time in prayer. I got to trust uh, where he's at and then uh, things go way easier. Uh, today I want to look at a couple of Bible verses that talk about the kinds of struggles that we face and how to get out of them, how to deal with the unavoidable difficulties in life. And there are two main areas of struggle that, uh, that I want to talk about. These are the two ones that I think that we're going to face the most. Two areas that you probably faced this week. Two areas that you maybe faced in some degree or another already uh, this morning. The first is the struggle that every single one of us has with the temptation with sin. All of us have that. Every one of us in this room struggles with the temptation to sin. Okay, I need a couple of volunteers to help me with this. Uh, Grace? Yeah, Grace, you want to come up and help? Uh, Hunter? Do you want to? Yeah, Hunter. Come on up here. And, okay, all I need you to do is sit here. I promise that you don't have to eat anything uh, gross this week. <clears throat> Good. Yeah, Hunter. Sit. So really all you have to do is sit here and look cute. Can you, can you, yeah, there, you did it. That's good. Okay, good. All right. Okay, I have here a couple of pieces of uh, beautiful, delicious chocolate cake. Can you, can you smell the chocolate? Yeah. So the only, the only rule this morning for you two is you can't touch my chocolate cake. Okay? Don't touch it. Don't, don't eat the cake. No, no picking the sprinkles off the top. All you have to do is sit there with a giant piece of chocolate cake in front of you while I explain to the rest of these people uh, the struggle with temptation that we all face. <laughs> Can you guys do that? Yeah, good. Uh, my daughter Gracie spent all day long in the kitchen uh, making that chocolate cake. So that is fresh made, homemade, made with love. Like that's, that smell, that's like sweet chocolatey smell. There's a lot of love mixed in with that. Uh, anyway, good. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> so first of all, temptation is something that, that's going to happen to all of us. We already, already know that. Uh, in the Bible, even Jesus was tempted, right? Uh, it's, it's just not something that, that anyone can avoid in this life. The only difference between Jesus's temptation and, and our temptation is that when Jesus was tempted, uh, he didn't sin. He didn't give in. He never disobeyed. Uh, he was the only one who was able to perfectly keep the will of the Father. Jesus was, was human, and so he felt, he felt that temptation in a, in a real way, but he was also fully God, and so there was no way he was going to give in. So Jesus understands temptation. In the Bible, it says, because he, Jesus himself, suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Do you feel like Jesus is helping you right now to resist chocolate cake, kids? Yeah, a little bit? He knows, yeah, he knows how you feel. <laughs> 
Later it says he was tempted in, uh, in many ways just as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus understands, like he knows why sitting at a table with like this big, beautiful, sweet-smelling, mouth-watering, delicious piece of chocolate cake would be tempting to people. Like he gets why that would be uh, the case. Uh, so the struggle with temptation is something that we all face, uh, but it's also important to understand where temptation comes from. Where did the very first temptation come from? It, it was back in a garden, and it wasn't cake. It was, it was fruit, right? It was the serpent, right? Although maybe, I don't know, maybe there was like a cake tree back then. Maybe it was chocolate cake apples. I don't know. I'll have to do some more theological research. Uh, so the, the first temptation came from, from Satan, the serpent. Uh, he caused Adam and Eve to doubt that, that God was good and that they could trust God. And, and instead, he caused them to place their faith in, in themselves and in doing what they wanted to do instead of doing what God wanted them to do. Uh, so, so temptation comes there, but temptation also comes from, from within all of us, uh, because all of us are, are, uh, children of Adam and Eve. We're all born with that same kind of nature that, that's bent in and inclined towards doing our, our own thing. Uh, in James, the Bible tells us each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's, he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. So part of the curse that came from, from disobeying God was this inward nature to do what we want to do. Like right now, my guess is you guys are struggling at least a little bit with the desire to eat chocolate cake. Do you like chocolate cake? Yeah, who doesn't like chocolate cake? Yeah. Would you like to eat chocolate cake? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so so you have that, you, you wish you could eat chocolate cake because it's, it's amazing and it's delicious, but and you're thinking like in your mind how unfair the whole rule is about not eating chocolate cake and you're, and you're trying to think of, of ways of maybe getting around, like maybe nobody's watching. You can, like you're, you're thinking in your mind... Yeah, <laughs> but that's how we work, right? Like when we're, when we're tempted, our, our minds start to think about, well, there's reasons why. We justify why doing things our own way makes sense and, and, and why it's unfair for God to make the rules that He does. So, so we have an enemy who will tempt us to sin. We have this own uh, inward nature that's inside of all of us that tempts us to sin. But on top of that, the Bible talks about the temptation that comes from the world. The Bible talks a lot about the world and the influence of the world. Not wanting to, to fall in line with the world. Because the world that we live in is broken and is bent and, and wants us to conform to, to that way of doing things and thinking about things and to reject God and to go along with the crowd and to do things that we shouldn't. And, and, and often th- that comes out uh, in our individual personal lives in the form of peer pressure, like other people encouraging us to, to do the wrong thing. Like, like, Hunter, do you think Grace should eat some of that chocolate cake? Do you think she should take a little, just a little? Hunter thinks you should. <laughs> Right, right. It's because, like, maybe, 
Like maybe if she just takes a little bite, well then and now we can all eat and it'll be cool. But she's not gonna. She's not gonna give in to peer pressure, right, Grace? <laughs> right. She's strong. Good. And in a lot of areas in our life, it works in a similar way, right? We want other people around us, want us to do what they're doing so they don't feel so bad about doing the thing that they know is wrong. This peer pressure thing is a big thing. It's a strong thing. It's a thing uh, that as you're going back to school, you're going to face on a, on a regular basis. It's something where we have to make sure we know what God's word says and what God wants us to do and what the right thing is and what our parents and our teachers want us to do. And we're holding fast to that and not giving in to what anybody else uh, has to say. Yeah, Th- those are a lot of things, right? So you got... You got an enemy who's working against us and we have our own nature that's working against us and we have a whole world of people out there that are working against us. Man, that is a lot of temptation. I think part of the problem with temptation is that we don't understand why God says no. I mean, a lot of temptations in our lives seem a lot like chocolate cake. <laughs> they, they seem like good things. They seem like things that, that would really be enjoyable. And like maybe God just doesn't want us to enjoy good things. Maybe He just, He doesn't want us to, uh, to have fun. And we don't understand why. And then, and then we, then we rationalize it. Well, well, let's see. God loves love and I love cake. Therefore, God wants me to eat this cake right now, right? I mean, as, Absurd as that line of reasoning is, that's the logic that often we use to try and justify doing the things that, again, we we know are wrong. And part of the problem is that our knowledge is limited. Uh, we don't know what God knows. Now, there are really good reasons that God might have to like guide us and to lead us and to, and to put uh, safety nets and, and barriers around us. And we don't always know what all of those reasons are. But God knows. God knows what's right there in front of us. And he, and he knows the safe route for us to go. And He knows what's dangerous. And He knows how easy it is for things that are right there in front of us to morph into an idol and so our focus and our attention and our desires for those things and no longer for Him. He knows how we can go to extremes so easily. Chocolate cake for breakfast is just a bad idea, right? Like it's just, you don't want to eat chocolate cake for break. That's more of a, like a nighttime dessert kind of a thing. Ch- chocolate cake is, you know, it's, it's a good sometimes thing, but having it all the time uh, isn't good. Like there's reasons that we could think of in our own mind as to why these guys eating the chocolate cake right now w- would be a, a bad idea. Your parents would probably get mad at me for feeding you chocolate cake on a Sunday morning. And, and I, <laughs> and I don't, I don't want your, parents mad at me. Like, again, a lot of times, even if we don't fully understand the reasons why God tells us to stay away from something, we kind of understand the logic behind it. A lot of times, we just want to do our own thing. But every time, every time, all the time, when we disobey God, when we give in to temptation, we end up losing. We end up missing out on what what God has for us 
And sometimes we are so short-sighted, all we can see is what's right there in front of us. But God, he sees more. He sees the big picture. He, he has things that are so much better in store for us that sometimes we just, we don't, we don't know. We don't understand. We don't get it. We think God's being mean or he's trying to spoil our fun or he's being stingy. But that's not the case. We have a good, loving, caring, giving, gracious Father. And He wants us to have really good things. God wants to bless His children. Obedience might be saying no to something for a short time, something that seems good. It seems like it's going to make us happy. It seems like a good idea, but it might mean saying no. But with our awesome God, He always has something better in store for us down the road. One of my favorite Bible verses uh, about temptation is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You two, the temptation to eat chocolate cake is common. Everyone in this room feels it right now. (laughs) And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Man, what an encouraging passage, right? We, we need to remember that, especially when, there, when we're in the midst of facing some kind of temptation. And then in James 1, it said, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. All right, you guys, you guys did a good job. You, you can't eat the chocolate cake this morning, but because you did such a good job of resisting uh, temptation... I, I have something else for you. Hold, hold still. I got something. <laughs> there you go. All right, take, take these to your parents and then let them <laughs> feed them to you at their leisure. <clears throat> Good job, kids. Oh, yeah. You can eat it for breakfast if you want. (laughs) When we struggle with... You guys guys did amazing. (laughs) That was good. When we struggle with temptation, Jesus, he rescues. He helps us through those things. It's coming. We're going to face it. The other major struggle that we have in this life it is struggle with hardships, with difficult things that are going to come our way. And again, that's something that I think maybe we all understand, especially those that are a little older. There will be hard things, painful things, sickness and accidents and disappointments and, and failures and relationship struggles. You name it. Our enemy will hurl all kinds of things at us to get us discouraged and frustrated. He wants us to be angry with God, kind of like he did with Job. You remember the story of Job where Satan went to God and said, God, here's a guy who loves you, but I think he only loves you because he's got good things. Let me hurt him. And, and so uh, Satan caused all of these hard things to happen to poor Job. He, he got sick and he lost family members and he lost all of his, uh, all of his animals and all of his wealth. And he wanted Satan wanted Job to be mad at God, but instead, instead of driving him further from God, it just drove Job closer to God, where he said, God, what's happening? What if 
And I think that's, that's where we need to be. When hardships come our way, instead of getting further away from God, we gotta draw closer to Him. We can't control the circumstances in our life. There's no way we're gonna be able to control all of the things that happen around us. Someone once said that, that character is revealed when pressure is applied. Those hardships will show where our true faith lies. And, and hardships will either draw us closer to the God that we love and we trust or, or further from Him. The trick is to prepare. We have to be prepared when these painful things, when these flaming arrows start shooting their way at us. And there's some things that we can do to prepare well. In fact, Paul gives us a really good list of things that we can do to prepare for the hard things that we face in life. All right, I need another uh, volunteer this morning, somebody who's kind of, uh, oh, okay, I see a couple of hands. Before I go a lot further, I feel like at this point I should be honest about the fact that my plan is to shoot you with this Nerf gun, which represents the flaming arrows that life will hurl at us. So you need to be kind of brave. Anybody willing to let me shoot them with this gun? A little, a few less hands than a minute ago. Um, but still, all right, Maddie, come on up. <clears throat> Thank you for your willingness to volunteer. All right, I need you to stand. Let's see, how about, how about just right here? And then uh, my lovely assistant, Billy, w- will help you in just a second. Let me start by reading the verse of the day, okay? Uh, and then in, in a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot you with this gun. <clears throat> Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when uh, the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you've done everything to stand. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Right? Uh, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so before I pelt you with darts, I, I want you to get geared up so that you're ready. Uh, I wanted to like dip the Nerf darts in like lighter fluid and light them on fire, but I guess there was like insurance issues. And but I thought it would be more biblically accurate, right? I'm just trying to. I'm a biblicist. Uh, all right, so the first thing that you need uh, is uh, the belt of truth, uh, and then the second thing right after that is the uh, is the. Uh, uh, breastplate of righteousness. And so Billy's got the uh, the gear here that's got some belts, uh, and it'll... Right, <laughs> good. 
So for a soldier, uh, the belt was, was kind of like the thing that held everything together and all in place. Uh, it was like the, the centerpiece. Like it, it made sure that, that you could run well and that your, your, uh, your outfit was out of the way and that, and, and your gear was stationed in there. And, and so the belt of truth was, was foundational. That was a, that was a piece that was, was key. And without, truth, like without the truth of who we are and who God is and what he desires from us, we're going to have no idea what to think when struggles fly our way. Unless we know the truth that God is sovereign and that he's in control and that he's going to help us, we're going to be shaken when we face struggle. Next is the breastplate of, of righteousness. Uh, this piece of armor protects your, your vital organs, uh, like your heart. Uh, in our spiritual battles, righteousness is the thing that guards our heart. Uh, and Paul explains where righteousness comes from in Philippians 3.9. He says, uh, be found in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. So our righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Righteousness is not something that we uh, create either. It's something that we're given through him. Uh, Paul says again in 2 Corinthians, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All right, so you've got that. You've got righteousness. Good. Next is having your feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Okay, uh, maybe those cleats. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure... If you're going to be able to put those on, but just stand there, like maybe put them in front of your feet to guard them from anything good. <laughs> so a, a soldier would also wear shoes that were like cleats that had nails in them so that they could stand their ground and so that they were uh, immovable, hard, hard to, uh, to push back. Uh, and in, in the same way, there's this peace of God that should give us a sure footing, that, that should make us immovable. Because we have peace with God, we have this peace of God that's in our hearts. We don't have to fear anything. There's, there's nothing that's going to scare us. Uh, let's see. Next is a, a shield of faith. Uh, you got something shield-like that she could... Yeah, there you go. Good. Uh, so you get a, you get a catcher's glove. Which is big, it's useful, that'll help. You could probably deflect some of the bullets. Uh, the kind of shield that Paul's talking about in, in the Bible was a big one, right? Like four feet high, big wide thing that the soldiers could actually uh, hide behind, uh, that would do a good job of protecting them from any of the uh, arrows that would come that way. And yeah, that one's not quite as big, uh, <laughs> but still, it'll, it'll come in handy in a second, probably. <laughs> In the same way, this faith that we have should be able to stop short at any of the attacks of the enemy. It's, it's faith in God, trust in God, knowledge of the fact that God is there and he's with us and we can trust him. And so when things happen to us, we can either respond with a lack of faith, I don't know if God's there and I can't trust him and I don't know who's in control. And, and when we do that, we, we suffer or we respond with faith. Where I, because I know, I know that God is right there with me, protecting me, that my faith is strong. There's nothing that, that could come my way. All of those fiery darts are going to be extinguished. 
Next is the helmet of salvation. <clears throat> yeah, you're going to need that. I apologize in advance for messing up your hair. <laughs> Good. This uh, piece of armor will protect the soldier's head. Uh, but a helmet is something that also gives somebody a, a, <laughs> a lot of, they get a lot of confidence in battle, right? Have you ever put on a helmet, like a, like a motorcycle helmet or a baseball helmet? When you put on a helmet, what's the first thing that you do? You smack your head with your hands, right? Or is that just me, right? Just make sure it's working. And then, and then you, then you find somebody else and say, all right, hit me, hit me. Come on. I can take it, right? Like you, it's, there's confidence in wearing that helmet. And, and I think the helmet of salvation instills in us that same kind of confidence. There's a lot of confidence that we have because we know without a doubt that we are saved. We are His children. This assurance of salvation is something that strengthens us. Because, man, one of the lies that the enemy loves to tell is that God doesn't really love you and you're not really saved. And there's more that you need to do. He loves to try and shake our confidence in God. Loves to get in our head that way. But Paul says in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We can have total, complete, 100% assurance of our salvation, not because of any good works that we have done or we're going to do someday, but because of the good work that God has done for us through Jesus. Finally, Last thing on the list is the the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, because every word of the Bible is given through the inspiration of the Spirit of God. It's living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. It's a tool that we can use to fight back spiritual attacks. Just like Jesus used God's word to counter uh, the temptation of the devil. Remember when they were out there in the in the wilderness, and, and the devil would say, uh, "Didn't didn't God say this?" And Jesus would respond right back with Scripture, used it to to parry the attacks of the devil and get him to flee. All right, since this isn't a sword fight, but a Nerf gun fight, I have a, a different type of sword for you. All right, Billy, you better arm her. Wait, how, how come she gets the big one? <laughs> okay, um, do you, how do you do? You feel more secure now? Do you feel more prepared for battle now than you did when you first came up? Do you think you could beat me in a Nerf gun fight? Uh, I yeah, um, I do too. So let's pray. <clears throat> Dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth contained in it. Thank you, God, that you love us and that you care for us and that you protect us and that you guard us. Lord, help us to put on that full armor, knowing that you're right there, that you love us, Lord, that you'll never leave us, that when we struggle, uh, you rescue. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.